0: I'm John Gill, and welcome to this edition of Fraud Talk. My guest today is Catherine McLean. Catherine is founder and CEO of the Mach One Group uh, here in Austin, Texas, that is a public affairs and strategic communications firm. In full disclosure, I must say Catherine and I worked together. Catherine worked here at the ACFE about 17 years ago. She left here and went into public relations, and so she's been doing public relations work for the for the last 17 years. Interest of full disclosure, since this is an audio broadcast, I must say that although I look 20 years older, Catherine looks exactly oh. like she did when she worked here 17 years ago, which makes me uh, quite depressed. There but, may be
1: a touch of fraud to that statement, yeah, well, <laughs> but, that but, but I, I appreciate well, it. Well,
0: whatever it did, it worked. Catherine's had a very interesting career since she left the ACFE, and she does has had a lot of experience with, well, when bad things happen to good companies, mm-hmm. and what do you do? And so we had been talking with her about, well, Obviously, fraud is a bad thing that sometimes happens to good companies. and I don't, Fraud examiners are, are usually down in the trenches and they're working towards finding out what happened and what the damage is, but I think it's something that fraud examiners should be aware of as they are conducting their examination. If this is a high-profile case or it's something that the news media is going to be interested in that that is something that they're going to have to consider and they're going to have to deal with. And it may be in the form of a reporter's calling or they want statements. What do you do? It's not the kind of thing you really think about in advance. Catherine, let's uh, kind of talk about this and when something bad does happen, especially like a major fraud, what are some of the things that the company should be doing trying to get together as far as a, as a plan?
1: There are a number of best practices that companies who find themselves suddenly under the harsh light of media attention can employ to make sure that they are portraying uh, their actions and sort of the situation that has occurred in the best possible light. But one of the worst things a company can do is wait. And we've seen organizations who have a tendency to want to circle the wagons. They want to get their leadership together, maybe call their board together before any kind of public response is given. And in that vacuum, reporters are very happy to make up their own scenarios. So organizations that, you know, find themselves being called by press, being asked for updates, being asked for statements, who don't respond, lose sort of that first stab at shaping how this narrative is going to unfold. So we counsel folks, you know, don't wait until your CEO is off the golf course to make some kind of statement. A statement doesn't necessarily have to reflect the full action plan. It can simply convey, we understand the gravity of this situation. We are taking time to review all the facts, and as soon as we have more to say, we will do so.
0: I know a lot of companies think, well, let's not say anything. (laughs) Is that a viable option?
1: Unless there are very, very stringent legal considerations uh, for doing so, I would disagree. Now, in my line of work as you know a communications consultant, I frequently find myself on the other side of the fence from the legal team who usually advises, let's say nothing. However, you know, I think as recent, you know, high profile legal situations have probably shown the way a case unfolds in the media ultimately could very, very possibly have an effect on the outcome of the case. So saying nothing uh, when there is a great demand for some kind of public statement is a big risk. Should you talk to reporters? Let's talk
0: about, so they want to sit down, they want to go on camera, or they want to go on the record, uh, print media. Should you talk to reporters? Talk about some of the uh, things to Mm -hmm. consider.
1: Well, you can look at it from two points of view, and this is kind of what we counsel clients. Is this an opportunity for you to share your important messages about the situation in you know, a positive way? If it is, great. Have those messages down, You know the two or three, four points that you absolutely want people to understand and grasp. Deliver those, be disciplined about delivering them, don't go off topic, absolutely is this a case where you can't possibly win, where the headline is going to be bad either way? uh, And those are really rare cases. It's very, very rare that I would counsel a client, just, hey, don't say anything, because basically every every inquiry is a chance and an opportunity to tell your side of the story. When you're picking someone who
0: should be the spokesperson, what are some of the qualities that you're looking Mm. for?
1: That's a really good question. I've seen uh, organizations in crisis put forward maybe the head of their organization, their CEO or their chairman of the board, but that isn't always the best choice. BP, for example, everybody remembers the BP CEO <laughs> complaining during the Gulf oil spill about how you know his life was being affected too, and gosh darn it, he wanted to get back to normal as well. You know, maybe not the best choice for the spokesperson in that regard. So picking your messenger is a good question. Very, very important. Someone articulate, especially important is someone sympathetic. Having somebody who is good on camera, a likable presence, unflappable, that's a very important quality and who can, you know, kind of keep a keep a cool head under pressure.
0: When you make this first public statement, what are some of the things that, that- are important to communicate right from the start.
1: Certainly in the case where a certified fraud examiner is, you know, representing an organization that they themselves might have, you know, uh, founded incident of fraud internally, conveying the gravity with which leadership is Embracing the situation very very important not making light of it not trying to sweep it under the rug or you know Make nothing of it, you know, especially if there's a shareholder situation what the shareholders are looking for is We take this very very seriously Security or you know safety or what-have-you is our highest priority We're examining you know all aspects of the situation and doing a full and comprehensive, you know review so conveying sincerity gravity and action are the three elements that are really important in that first statement.
0: Fraud examiners are usually behind the scenes. They're conducting an investigation. They're gathering the facts, but there may be uh, some situation where when they least expect it, someone shoves them out in front and says, here, you're the one that's leading the investigation. You talk." To the media and you tell them what's going on mm-hmm. so for those people who may find themselves in some kind of situation where they've not done this before give them some tips for how to practice or what they should be looking out for it's like if i if i've never done this mm-hmm. before and now i'm being thrust in front of a bunch of, of news people what should i do
1: first of all do your homework if you're being interviewed by you know a reporter a TV crew, a, a newspaper, look at that, um, that outlet's previous coverage, look at the uh, stories that that reporter has written or reported previously, and you will often find that they have an opinion already formed just from reading previous stories on that topic. Knowing that, being prepared, being aware, uh, going into the interview that there's already some uh, foregone conclusions is very important. So that's number one, do your homework. I think the other one is that's something that we remind clients of a lot is once you've answered a question, stop talking. Great reporters apply the rules of conversation to their interviews. And, you know, we as, you know, everyday people, we react to that because we kind of consider an interview a conversation. It's not. It's a performance. The only reason to do an interview is to convey your key messages. And going into that interview, the other very important thing is to have those messages firmly in mind. Know exactly what you want to deliver it, practice it, maybe sit down with a colleague and ask them to think of the 10 absolute worst questions you could face and throw them at you. Reacting on camera to a really tough question is very difficult. Uh, but if you've had a bit of practice, it kind of helps you overcome that initial anxiety that happens when you hear that tough question. So those are a few other uh, good things to, to keep in mind before you sit down with a reporter.
0: Was anything really off the record when they say, well, just between you and me, <laughs> off the record, what is that, should that be a red flag for something? Oh,
1: my gosh. You know, that is a very good question. We, uh, we recently had a situation where there was a nonprofit And there was a chairman of the board and a CEO being interviewed by Esquire magazine. And the heart of the story was, you know, a very prominent former board member, former chairman. Would they consider having him back? And they did their homework. They agreed on their messages. They were both to say it's not something anyone's thinking about. No one's considering it. There is no plan for that, which was great until the CEO, after being badgered by the reporter, said, well, hey, can I just go off the record for a second? Here's the deal. Have we thought about it? Sure. You know, are we going to do anything about it? I don't know. You know, maybe. I don't know. The headline as a result of that off-the-record conversation became CEO and chairman at war over the return of this board member. Never, never go off the record with a reporter unless that person is your child's godparent or, or a cousin um, or, or close, close, close friend. If I'm going to
0: do a TV interview, something that's being videotaped, what are some things to just keep in mind while this is occurring
1: um i would say there are a few tips that that help you give a good tv performance and when i was first uh, a spokesperson for governor schwarzenegger in california i learned these the hard way so i wish somebody had pulled me aside and given me a few of these tips first of all friendly expression if you're on camera you don't frown you don't have a megawatt smile but you look friendly inviting engaged that's one thing your expression. Your body language is very important. Uh, If you're seated, sit up straight in your chair. No slumping, obviously. Possibly lean forward if, you know, you you can do that. And keep your gestures pretty minimal. Don't be stiff, but also you're not gesticulating wildly. That's very distracting on camera. Once again, you know, when you've answered the question, stop talking. I had an occasion in uh, the last couple of years to practice that one. This was a CBS News reporter, she'd been uh, with 60 Minutes and CBS News for many years, and she had questions about uh, a nonprofit's financial documents, and she had produced their Form 990s, their annual reports, their audited financial statements, and so she played a little game of let's pull your pants down with me on camera, flipping through these various documents, asking me questions about, you know, what she thought were discrepancies, but what, you know, A certified fraud examiner knows, you know, the IRS has very particular ways of asking for information. In your annual report, you know, you're going to round up. You're going to, uh, you know, sort of represent the cumulative funds you've invested towards something or, you know, your revenues, what have you. So there was no way for me to answer that question in a winning way that represented the organization well. So instead, I responded. Well, one of the reasons that this organization is one of the most highly regarded in the United States is because it invests, you know, X number of dollars in, you know, programs and services, et cetera. She asked her question over and over again, probably about 10 times, in various forms, you know, looking at different sort of pages of our 990s and audited financial statements Documents that I couldn't see, so I couldn't possibly know if she was even reading me the, the appropriate um, and correct amounts. And I responded the same way every time. Well, the reason that this organization is one of the most highly regarded in the United States, et cetera, et cetera. And in the end, none of those questions made it into the final cut of the story because I didn't answer the way she wanted. So knowing how not to answer unwinnable questions is really important and you do that by just sticking to your messaging. It feels weird because it's not something we do in regular conversation but this is not a conversation. You're representing an organization and you're giving a performance.
0: So you have to remember this is my story and I'm sticking to it.
1: Absolutely. No absolutely. I mean that's that's a simple way of putting it but it's it's certainly true. It brings up
0: another point. if If there are cameras in the room any of them could be on and so never assume that while the reporter is talking that you're not on camera or no one is watching you and take that time to roll your eyes or <laughs> yeah. do something that is odd looking
1: exactly well and what we tell clients when they're preparing for an important interview on camera is don't react to the reporter emotionally your real audience you know the real uh, really important audience are the viewers not the reporter you can give two hoots about what the reporter thinks of you. What's important is what your shareholders, your board members, and the general public are perceiving about your performance. So not allowing yourself to get riled up or react emotionally, never say no comment. Um, If you can't answer a question, because of legal prohibitions. Just explain that in simple terms. I'm sorry, I'm prevented from answering that because of the legal considerations surrounding this issue. But what I can tell you is, and then insert your key message right there. That's another moment where you can, you know, reinforce what you want to convey. And if you're, you know, having trouble with a question, bridge back. You know, we we advise clients all the time. There are several phrases that you can employ like, I'm not sure I can answer that question, but what I can tell you is, you know, insert your key message here. Well, actually, what's really important to understand about this situation is X, insert your key message there, bridging over to some topic that, that does reflect well for you and that you do have a good answer for, absolutely advisable.
0: Well, especially in a case related to fraud, let's switch gears and let's get away from something bad has happened and that's why you're in the news media whether you like it or not let's go to the situation of you want some press coverage you're uh, have a new business or you're working for a business and you want to to get the word out there about the what you're doing and uh, maybe some innovations that you have what your services are what are some ways to get the news media interested in your message a
1: positive message mm-hmm. that is Excellent question, and we help organizations with this all the time, and the bottom line is know what reporters are looking for, and it's change, controversy, uh, and conflict. They're also interested in, you know, feel-good sort of human interest stories, but I don't know that that's maybe as applicable <laughs> in, in in our field that we're talking about right now, but. You know, for fraud examiners, financial professionals, legal professionals, if you have a really interesting kind of case uh, that you've worked on, setting yourself up as a subject matter expert is uh, very advisable. You know, if you have a long history of, you know, conducting investigations that have thrown into the public spotlight, big cases, um, that's an excellent way to market yourself as you know, a, a professional uh, fraud examiner or, or, you know, an expert in that field. And reporters appreciate that. They often turn to subject matter experts for sort of independent commentary on prominent fraud cases. And you see talking heads like this on the news all the time, you know. In the political world, you see folks who have, you know, done you know a ton of campaigns and they're being asked about this c- candidate's chances or that candidate's event. And... You know, certainly the same is possible for fraud examiners. So building a relationship with a reporter, having a good sort of pitch document, a good bio that very simply conveys your strengths, your experience, um, what you can be a resource to them for is great first step. So you recommend coming up with uh, maybe emailing them or,
0: or even regular mail with a maybe a little bit of a promotional piece that says, hi, I'm... Uh, John Smith and here's my background and I'm available mm-hmm. for being a subject matter expert in these particular areas, will they pay attention to that or you think uh, the television stations, uh, that that's worth your time doing?
1: Mm-hmm. Certainly a good first step, but as we were saying earlier, the media industry is so much smaller than it used to be. When I was working in California in 2003 on Governor Schwarzenegger's first election campaign, a TV crew was four or five people. Today it's one or two. Um, So they are far more uh, overloaded than they used to be. Don't be discouraged if you don't get an instant response. You know, you might have to send that email several different ways, several different times, follow up with a phone call, try to take the reporter to coffee, don't be afraid to do that. Do not be discouraged. They're not being rude. They probably have you know 20 different stories they're working on, and you know you're you're just trying to get your foot in the door with them, and and that's a that's a great first step.
0: You might also read the headlines yourself, and if you see something a prominent identity fraud that's or hacking, you've got some experience mm-hmm. with that, call them up or, or send them an email. And say, look, I have some experience in this and, and have some thoughts and some ideas about it if, and would be happy to do an interview. Would that be appropriate?
1: Oh my gosh, that is very, very useful. Uh, if you send a reporter a, a reply to a story that they've written and you compliment them on the thoughtful and thorough job they've done, that's a wonderful way to begin a conversation. We are all susceptible to flattery. I know I am. And, you know, reporters are as well. And, and complimenting them on a story that particularly might have been, you know, tough for them to report on um, is going to, you know, probably go a long way with them.
0: I know when a story breaks, reporters are on the Internet just like everybody else looking for information. Uh, can it be helpful if you if you have a blog or you have a website or you have published some Papers or books out there. Do do reporters look for for that when they're trying to find an expert to talk to on camera?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Especially in you know difficult sort of legal or you know convoluted financial situations, they will they will you know get online and and look for um, anybody who has you know published. So you know we counsel our clients if you have the time and space. Absolutely. You know, write a blog. Um, Comment on interesting cases in the news. You know, applaud best practices, call out worst practices. Um, It's interesting, obviously, to people in your field It'll raise your own sort of thought leadership profile. Um, but it might just get you noticed by reporters as well in in a very positive way. Well, Catherine,
0: thank you very much uh, for returning to your roots at the ACFE and talking with us about uh, some of the things to consider, both when a fraud has occurred and it may hit the media and what you can do to use the media for your own advantage, mm-hmm. which is to get your name out there and your services. Like it's, uh, They serve an important function, and we're you just have to be aware of what's going on. Uh, they have a job to do and you do as well and I think there are, are times when, when you can help each other and you can certainly work together but it is something you have to plan for and not to just kind of stumble into when uh, you're in the news media.
1: So any final things that you want to close with? It's. It's such an honor to be back here. You know, I started my career here at the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners and was a fraud examiner myself, had the designation. And so I have sort of a a great perspective on, you know, what fraud examiners experience, the opportunities, the challenges as well when it comes to, you know, communications and and being in that media spotlight. Um, And I'm always ready, willing, and able to help out a fellow CFE who, has, you know, one of those challenges or opportunities. So really appreciate being here with you. And and thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us for this month's episode of Fraud Talk. And I hope you'll join us for another episode soon. Thank you for listening.